Welcome to Breaking Down the Word. This is a podcast where we explore the Word of God. The Bible implores us that we should study to show ourselves that we may be workmen who need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And in order to rightly divide, you got to first break it down. Welcome, welcome everybody to Breaking Down the Word. I am your host, TJ, and uh, this is podcast number three, number three, number three. All right, so get these things out the way. If you'd like to contact uh, me at Breaking Down the Word, uh, you can hit me up at uh, Gmail. It's todaysfight at gmail.com. If you would like to support the podcast, cash me, uh, todaysfight. PayPal today's fight. If you would like to support in other ways, um, I am working on a online store now. You can go to my Facebook page, which is today's fight seven. There'll be links there to uh, go to the online store and uh, purchase some of the merch there. I will also be posting on that page today's fight seven. Uh, my videos that I upload because because I'm a newly YouTuber, it's kind of hard to find a page right now. All right, so if you're checking me out by YouTube, hit the subscribe button, like, hit the subscribe button, notifications. I need to get my subscribers up so I can get my page more visible. Okay, uh, so what we got here today. Oh, also, there'll be links. If you check me out on YouTube, there will be links uh, in the description, um, if you like to support and also to the online store streaming on all podcast uh, platforms, uh, primarily at this time anchor, but when you go there, it can direct you to the different, uh, uh, streaming platforms. Okay. So today will be the book of John, uh, chapter two. We know in the previous two episodes I did uh, break down the chapter one of John. I got part one, part two up. Um, I have a video for part one, no video for part two, just didn't come out right. All right. So you can go on there on the page, Facebook page today's fight seven, or I may put a link in this description to the, uh, to the podcast. The podcast for part two is up on anchor at breaking down the word. Okay. So we're going to get started here. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm going to pray and we're going to get started. All right, Father God, I'd like to thank you for all those that you have given to hear my voice, uh, to hear uh, me articulate and break down your word. I pray for pliable hearts ready to receive the word, the seed of the word that it may bring forth an abundant harvest in revelation, knowledge, and in understanding in all things. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so <clears throat> we're in the book of John, chapter 2, and I'm beginning at verse 1. So on the third day, 
a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. So this gathering, this wedding and this gathering was to establish a covenant, right? Weddings, marriage is a covenant before God. Verse 2. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Now, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. So when the wine was gone, so Jesus gets to a wedding. There was still some of the old wine there. But in during the time he was there, this old wine ran out. And his mother is ask, asking him to produce new wine. All right. So the old was gone. The old wine didn't run out immediately when he arrived. But at some point, the old the old wine ran out. OK, so I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to give a little breakdown. And as we go, we'll see what I'm saying. All right. So. The old wine. In the new wine, right? New wine represent the New Testament. Old wine represent the old covenant, right? These wine, the wine were in clay. One second. Oh, they were in stone jars. All right, stone, clay, you know, usually they, at those times it was kind of like a clay, a type of pottery type of setup that they created you know you potter once you heat it it turn hard like you know kind of like stone all right so so jesus and his disciples had been invited to this wedding when the wine was gone jesus mother said to him they have no more wine okay so the wine was in these six bottles jars of, uh, of clay jars the old wine ran out and Jesus produced new wine in the old jars. Okay? So I hope you're with me. He produced new wine in the old jars. There were six jars. Six represent the number of man. There are many scriptures, and I'm going to get to a few, where God talks about or refers to us as being him being the potter and we being the clay. Okay. So old wine ran out as Jesus while Jesus at the beginning of Jesus ministry. Right. The old wine ran out. He used water or the word to fill the new jars. I mean, to fill the old jars with the word, which produced new wine. Okay. So, all right, we going I'm gonna get more into that. I know I don't want to confuse anybody, but that's just like a little breakdown, and I'm a I'm a uh, I'm going to it's going to unfold as I as I continue. All right, so when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, "They have no more wine." So the old was gone, right? So Jesus showed up at the end of a thing, at the end of the old wine running out, or the old covenant running out. Okay, so the old wine didn't the old wine didn't run out immediately, 
when he arrived, but at some point the old wine ran out. Verse four, dear woman. Yeah, that's funny to me. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So dear woman, verse four, my, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. So Jesus knew that his time hadn't come. It wasn't his time to start his ministry, right? But his mother said, fittingly to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So his mother, fittingly, his mother pushed him or birthed him into his purpose. But Jesus said, what did he say? He said, my time has not yet come. So what I got here, fitting that his mother pushed him or assisted him in the birthing of his ministry. And I got a futuristic view. All right. My futuristic view is this. He was in the present. So obviously his time to come was in the future. And he knew that. But through faith, he was able to bring his future to his present. So he was able to manipulate time because there's no time in the spiritual realm, but he's able to manipulate time through faith and pull from his future. It wasn't his time, meaning his time was sometime in the future. So he was able through faith to bring his time from the future to the present. All right. So nearby verse six stood six stone water jars or six clay water jars. Now, remember, remember what I said? Six represent man. Old wine, Old Testament. It ran out. The time for that covenant ran out. That old wine ran out. All right. So verse six nearby stood six stones, stone uh, clay water jars. The kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each hold from 20 to 30 gallons. Okay, so nearby. Okay, so I'm, a, I'm going to read a scripture in relation to what I was saying about uh, the, the potter, um, the potter and us being. Uh, related to being the clay. All right. So this is Romans 9, 20, 21. But who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who formed it? Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and some for common use? See, look. He said, does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay? Well, these jars and the things that they use were made out of clay. All right. So nearby stood six stone water jars that used to that used to house the old wine, the kind used for Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. All right. You go another scripture here. Jeremiah 18, one and six. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at a wheel, but the pot he was shaping from clay was marred in uh, marred in his hands. So the potter formed 
it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does? Okay, so we see, right? So the six stone jars represent man, man made from the dirt. You know, where where is uh, pottery made from? Clay, mud, heated, you know, a lot of uh, other mixtures in there, but I hope you're with me. All right, verse seven. So Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim, right? And when I read that, what I think of is when the, you know, the Bible speaks of us, we should be filled to overflowing. He overflowed with water. What does water represent? Water represents the word of God. So the old wine ran out, old covenant ran out through the word, which is Jesus Christ, which we learned in chapter one, through the word or the water that was used to fill this clay, which represent the word. It be uh, it be through the word it ushered us or brought us into a new wine or a new testament. But remember, new wine, he didn't change the jars, right? So, can I say this? He didn't change the jars. So when we receive new spirit, a new spirit is still in our old body. So we still have some of the residue of the world in the flesh because Romans say sin was cast into the flesh. No, uh, no good thing dwelleth in the flesh, right? But he filled that old, the old jars, the old body with a new covenant or with new wine. All right, so verse eight. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, verse nine. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bride, the bridegroom aside, verse 10, and said, everyone brings out the choice of the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after. The guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. So what he's saying is the new wine is better than the old wine. You know, typically you get a good stuff first, bring the cheap stuff out last once everybody is inebriated. But he's saying, man, you different. The, 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 the new wine or the second wine is better than the first. Okay. The Bible says in Hebrews eight, I'm going to read from verse six, 13, six through 13, but the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. It is founded on better promises. I mean, you see how everything lines up. Um, the, how these experiences that we see and read in these stories through the Bible, how they line up and mesh. But if you don't really have an understanding or take the time to you go study more in depth to understand the symbolisms 
in the word, you can miss things like that. You can miss things like that. It's fitting that the first miracle Jesus did represented what he came to do. Fulfill the old and bring in the new. And the new, like the man said, this wine is better. The Bible says, as I read here in Hebrews 7, I mean Hebrews 6, but the ministry Jesus had received is as superior to theirs as the covenant which he is mediator is superior to the old one and is founded on better promises. There's better promises in the Old Testament. We don't have to work or perform to receive from God and to produce. All we have to do is believe. That's better through faith. And entering into God's rest. The book of Hebrews says those who enter into God's rest has ceased from his own works. That's a better promise. Better covenant. You don't have to wait. They used to have to wait once a year to go to a pool and hopefully they be the one to get healed. The pool in Bethesda. Or Bethsaida. But now we can just speak and say through his stripes I am healed. That's a better covenant. All right. So. Verse seven, I'm still in Hebrews, right? Eight, six through 13. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. So if the first covenant was perfect, you wouldn't have, you would have not needed, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't need another. We wouldn't have needed another if the first one was perfect. Now the law is holy. The first the first covenant was righteous, but what it produced, we couldn't overcome on our own. It produced condemnation. It, it continually told us where we, where we were in error, where we missed it, what we were doing wrong. And that kept us in condemnation. So this is a far better because there's liberty and freedom in this one, knowing that the Bible says I can boldly approach the throne of grace that I may obtain mercy. And, the, and, it, and it lets us know that he is just and faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's a better covenant. Before you had to go sacrifice a, a 30, 40 different type of sacrifices that they had. Yearly, monthly, all these different type of sacrifices they had to do. They had to work. Now we can just receive, believe, and apprehend through faith, whereas we rest in God work. Oh, God, God work. Yes, He said those who enter into enter into His rest has ceased from working. But well, somebody got to work. You know, so He has angels that He gives charge over the world that manifest and carry out the instructions and orders that He has set forth. All right, so. What did I say? Verse, where we at? Okay, so I'm still in Hebrews. I'm still reading this. All right, so like I said, I'm in Hebrews 8. I'm reading 6 through 13. Uh, I'm going back. I'm, uh, I'm just going to read through it because I can just break down this. I really want to stay on John. But the ministry Jesus had received is superior to theirs as the covenant which he is mediator is superior to the old one and is founded on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another 
But God, <clears throat> pardon me, but God found fault with the people and said, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers, Moses, um, Jacob, Isaac, that lineage. All right. So it would not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people no longer. Will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete and what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. So what's wrong with the first covenant? The newer, the new covenant was better. No one can keep, no one could keep the old covenant. That's why Christ said he, he didn't come to destroy. He came to fulfill. He was the only one able to fulfill it. And in him fulfilling it, it's like he unlocked the door to a better covenant. All right. What, what I got here? I got some more with that. I don't know. All right. So Romans 7, 4 through 7. I'm just going to read it real quick. Do you not know, brothers, <clears throat> for I am speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over man as long as he live. For example... By law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law. And it is not an adulteress, even though she marries, and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. So my brothers... You also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit, bear fruit unto God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law, aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of spirit and newness of spirit and not in the old way of the written code of the law. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law, for I would not have known what coveting, covet, coveting really was if the law had not said do not covet. <clears throat> all right. So with all that saying, <laughs> I know it's a lot. All that saying is, listen, Jesus came to fulfill the old, the old ran out and, do, and, and he ushered in a new covenant through fulfilling the promise. Nothing was wrong with the old covenant. As far as God said, it was, the Bible says the, it was holy. You see, Paul, Paul here said, hey, it was good. The law is not sin because I would not have known what sin was unless the law showed me. But the law could not fix the issue. Right? We needed a savior. 
The Bible says the law came so that man may come to an end of himself and that he will see that he needed assistance. All right. That's just some little extra stuff in there to throw in there, you know, in regarding to, you know, the law. I don't know. I had it here. I read it, you know, but I'm going to move on. Okay. <clears throat> so we in here. Verse. All right. Let me go back a little bit. All right. So where were we at? Okay. So back to John. I'm going to start. I'm going to go to verse seven and then catch up real quick. So Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw out, uh, draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best for now. Better covenant. Verse 11, this the first of miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. All right. So the first miracle represented the reason for his coming to usher in, to bring in a new covenant, a transfer from the old to the new. The new wine we seen was better than the old wine. Uh, the transfer happened through the water or the word. Christ, who is the word, is the bridge to the new covenant. So it's no coincidence that this was done at a marriage establishing or the picture or the representation of establishing of the establishing of a new covenant. A marriage covenant upon his arrival marked the end of the old in the ushering of the new. All right, verse 12. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed a few days. All right, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. All right, verse 14. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves and other and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. All right, let's get some water here. All right, so he made a whip out of the cords and drove all from the temple area. This is verse 15, both sheep and cattle. He scattered coins of money changers and overturned their tables, right? So they knew this was the best time. So you got people at the market. This was the time during the Passover where everybody came to Jerusalem to, to celebrate the Passover when they came out of uh, Egypt. Right? So these people were there soliciting because they knew, I mean, they knew that there were going to be a lot of people in Jerusalem at this time. So they knew this was the best time to market because of the Passover and all the Jews were coming down to Jerusalem to celebrate. So they were taking advantage of the people during the Holy Day. Right? Many didn't, and probably, I believe, many didn't have offering and some probably was like, hey, I'll grab offering when I get there. And due to the convenience, 
deemed these acts acceptable and allowed it to continue and did not address it. Right. So, you know, this is a holy celebration. Yet you have people exchanging money and selling items and selling cattle and treating it like a marketplace. Well, this is supposed to be a celebration of God delivering them from the bondage of Pharaoh. Verse 16, to those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it uh, that it that it is written <clears throat> that it, it I'm sorry his <laughs> verse 17 his disciples remembered that it is it is written zeal for your house will consume me right so the zeal for your house will consume me disrespect right this disrespect for his house had angered him bothered him or annoyed him verse 18 then the Jews demanded of him what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do this? So haters and naysayers always want to disprove, disprove or discourage, discredit good truth and righteous behavior. So they wanted him to prove why you did it. Well, if you had good intentions, and I'm speaking like, on the behalf like of Jesus, like I can imagine what he what he would say to them, you vipers. If you had good intentions and love for the things of God, you would have known why I did it. So they say, show me a sign, prove why you did it. The revelation should have been that none of those things belong there. And they should have been done or already done what he done. Oh, my God. If they were truly righteous and servants of God. You asking me, what authority do I have to drive out the things that don't belong there? This is a holy celebration. But if you were truly righteous. Or if any was truly righteous, they would have been addressed this. And this wouldn't have been an issue because it would have already been dealt with. And the fact that it was going on on their watch only increases the possibility in my mind and your participation that they had their hand in it. Like, I'm going to let this go. I know this is not acceptable, but somewhere in there, in this, uh, in, somewhere in there, they were receiving a profit. They had their hands in it. They were getting a part of this. That's the only how. You would let something like that continue. I mean, this is how they were. They were self-righteous, prideful, and greedy. Jesus can heal a man on a Sabbath, and that is against the law. And you're in the house of God, and you're selling cattle, sheep, exchanging money, gaining profit, taking advantage of the people, and some of the people probably wanted, didn't mind it because of the convenience. Like, hey, I mean, I don't believe ATM machines should be in a church, but it's convenient, right? Man, I, didn't, I, didn't, I forgot to bring my offering. Go to ATM machine. I don't want to get my credit card. Go, it's convenient, but it's out of place. Prepare your offering before you come. And if not, the next time you come, double down. Bring it then. That's just me. That's just my opinion. All right, so <clears throat> verse 19 
Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And I'm going to go back to this. Right. So it's a lot of things that don't belong, but no one says anything because of convenience and because of fear. But we see Jesus was bold all by his lonesome, turning tables over, driving them out with cords because he valued the things of God. That's where his heart was at. That was his treasure, where your treasure is. Your heart will be also. We, got to, we have to be mindful of the things that are going, or going on in the body, and we got to have that same posture, that same righteous indignation to drive out what don't belong there. It shouldn't be a marketplace. Listen, if you're selling CDs and you're selling books and it's helping the ministry, God bless you. Like, I don't have an issue with that, but it's, it's certain things where you, you have people come in speaking, trying to solicit, hey, I got a row of books in the back. Listen, if you want to buy a book, check it out. I got a, I got a website. It's certain things that don't belong because I don't care how you try to break it down or mow it over, you're soliciting. This is not a place for that because if you offend your brother, don't do it. That's Bible. That's Bible. If you're doing anything and it offends your brother, if you're at their, if you're at their house and it offends them to eat a certain meat, the Bible says don't eat it if it offends them. And it causes offense. It's just too much. We're giving too much room for people to come in, get a word, and then we offend them because we're taking two offerings. That don't belong there. It's called greed and a lack of faith. God will provide. Then if you believe it, stand on it. Well, we about to take a second offering. $100 line, $500 line, $1,000 line. That's foolishness. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, so <clears throat> I'm going to move on. Verse 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, verse 20, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he has spoken of was his body. These were the teachers and the leaders, the so-called spiritual ones who were too far in pride to understand what was given to him. They asked him to show a sign, give him a hint, and he did. But they were too high-minded to receive it. Jesus answered, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? Like, come on, we know common sense is like, this shouldn't even have been a statement. Like, you know, it's not going to, you know, a bu this building can't be resurrected in three days. So it should have made them think, right? They spiritual. They should have spiritually discerned this. All right. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. All right. So this shows you how far off they were in understanding and or the direction that God was moving because they thought they had God down packed, right? As far as his actions and how he operated, they thought they knew it. They thought they had it. They thought they understood how God moved. 
All right. So when the righteous or when truth spoke, they were too prideful to receive or understand the very sign they asked for. If they were as holy as they thought, uh, thought they were, they would have discerned what he was saying through the scriptures, because it is evident that you couldn't build a temple in three days. So they were mocking him too busy to hear, too busy to hear. We should be, the Bible says we should be slow to speak and swift to hear. So they mocking, who can, you can't raise this building. It took 42 years. They were mocking him. So too busy to hear is a lack of patience. You don't want to take the time to hear and to process. And this impatience, or let's look at impatience, right? This is what I got for impatience. It is someone something or a feeling that rush you past reason that eventually leads you to leads you to failure or the inability to sustain an end result. So someone, something or a feeling that rush you past reason that eventually leads you to failure or in or the inability to sustain uh, the end or an end result that you desire. Right. So. How this relates to them is they're too busy mocking because that feeling of pride that was in them caused them to mock, not allowing them to hear and process, which led to their failure. You say, how did they how how did it lead to their failure? Well, well, they were scattered from their land. They killed the the, the they they murdered the Lord of glory, the king of glory. And we see through history the things that happen just to that nation. All right, so we should always hear, be swift to hear. Hearing is a barrier that keeps the foxes out. It is a simple solution to a simple issue that comes to spoil the vine or derail us. Hearing is a barrier that keeps the foxes out. It is a simple solution to a simple issue that comes to spoil the vine or derail us. Simple words. Just if we take the time, the Bible says, do not be hasty for nothing. Be hasty for nothing. Don't be quick to move on something. The Bible also says that we should seek a matter out with all diligence. Don't be quick to jump to a conclusion. So when they heard what he said, they should have said, okay, let me let me process this. Because he is showing signs. He is doing miracles. Let me, let me take a second to try to process and get an understanding. But that ain't what they did. They wanted to mock him, make fun of him, because they were great. They were mighty. We're Pharisees. We're the law keepers. All right, so. Excuse me. In simplicity, I'm saying keep your ears open because the very that very word you ignore could have been the one that can save you from trouble, calamity, and disappointment. All right, verse 22. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. After he was raised from the dead, his, his disciples recalled what he had said. 
then they believe the scripture. Right, it's a point I'm trying to get. I mean, verse 22. So here, here we go. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recall what he has said. His disciples recall what he has said. Then they believed. The Bible says that faith come from hearing and hearing of the word. Well, Jesus was the word, as we learned in the first part of uh, uh, John chapter one, part one. Jesus was the word. So faith come by hearing and hearing of the word, hearing the word, hearing the word of God, hearing the words that Jesus spoke, hearing the instruction. Faith come from hearing. OK, so after they heard, they believed. All right. And the words in the uh Believe the scripture in the words that Jesus has spoken. That's Romans 10 and 17. All right. So consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. All right. So we're in verse 23 here of John chapter two. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed on his name. Right. So read it again. Twenty three. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast. Many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing. And believed on his name. So it didn't say they came to him repenting, crying out as though we know that some did. But stay with me here. Verse twenty three. All right. So they seen the signs he was doing and believed. So he performed and they believed. The Bible says in Romans 2 and 4, you, I'm sorry. Read just for, all right. Romans 2 and 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's goodness, kindness leads you toward repentance? You know, a lot of people got it mixed up. Like we believe like we have to repent and we should repent. At any time you feel like you need to repent to clear your conscience and to clear your soul. We know that Bible, the Bible says that God says through his word that he is faithful and just to forgive you of all sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He doesn't hold it accountable to you, especially if you repent. But just listen to the scripture, Romans 4 and 2. It said, Does it, don't you know that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Like that's how gracious and merciful merciful and loving our God is. That he'll, I hate to say this word, but this is for lack of better words. He'll perform a miracle or manifest something or manifest himself in your life or through things around you, or through people, and that manifestation of his goodness, because he didn't have to, because the Bible says when we were yet still sinners, right, he sent his son when we were sinners, when we wasn't even thinking about him. So his goodness is what leads us to repentance, okay, the goodness of God. So now while they were in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the goodness of or the miraculous signs, the goodness he was doing, and believe. The goodness of God, Romans 2 and 4, is what leads people to repentance. So, even as we minister, we should just show the love of God and the, 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 the mercy, and have the same mercy that God has on us. And, and 
and show forth his grace and his goodness. And that's what changed lives. Not the hammer, not the beat down, but the goodness. Jeremiah says, I believe in 31 or 33, it says, I've drawn you with love. He didn't draw you with a hammer. He didn't draw you with a beat down. He draw, he drawed us with love. Okay. All right. Verse 20, verse 24, but Jesus would not entrust himself, trust himself to them, to the people he was doing these miracles in front of, right? For he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man for he knew what was in man. So there'll be times where people will praise you because of your abilities, uh, or the blessings on your life, but you can't allow that to you know, pump your head up and give you, give you the big head and become full of yourself, haughty. Because in truth, the same people that pump you up will tear you down, right? We know that when Jesus came into Jerusalem the last time before his crucifixion, they laid down palm trees and they yelled Hosanna. But the same people who yelled Hosanna eventually said, crucify him and give us Barabbas. Okay, so Jesus was assignment oriented. It's like, I'm doing these miracles, but I'm not letting it get to me because I know what's in man. I know a lot of these people out here saying they believe and hopping up, hallelujah, running, doing circles, but their hearts are far from me. Remember what I said, the same people who welcomed welcomed him into Jerusalem saying Hosanna was the same people who stood in front of Pilate, Pontius Pilate and said, crucify him and give me a murderer, which that represents something in itself also. Okay, so, so Jesus was assignment oriented. He didn't let his gifts and abilities Give him the big head where he thought he was, uh, he thought more highly of himself than he ought to. He was assignment oriented and focused on the task he had at hand. He was about kingdom business, the the business of his father. So he didn't allow the crowd to pump him up, nor did he move on the basis of man's approval. All right, so that was verse 25, and that is. The end, that is the end of John chapter 2 breakdown. I hope uh, I've been a blessing. I hope uh, the hearers learn, learn something or just saw a different approach. Like I said, the whole point of this is just to show my approach of how I look at certain scripture. If you don't understand something, you can always email me because... A lot of things is based on uh, f- certain foundations. You know, maybe you might be like, ah, oh, well, I don't believe that to be true. Um, you can email me. I can give you scriptural references uh, to support, you know, what what I'm breaking down here. Okay, so I'm going to, oh, if you like to support the podcast, break it down the word, uh, you can go to. Well, first of all, I have an online store. I'm working on the web address now, uh, securing a domain name. So you can go to my Facebook page, Today's Fight 7, 
that's today's fight seven and i have links to the online store on that page also videos that i'm uploading on youtube if you check me out on youtube please subscribe hit the like button notifications i need to get my subscribers up so that i can make my page more visible if you like to support uh donations it's cash uh a cash app today's fight paypal today's fight i'm also streaming on uh, podcasts uh, all streaming platforms uh you can check me out on anchor breaking down the word and that directs you to all the different streaming um streaming sites there okay uh if you want to contact me any questions is today the email is today's fight at gmail.com today's fight at gmail.com and that is it i really really appreciate all those to hear that uh took the time to listen or taking the time to listen um let me know what you think uh, if you need anything or if you recommend any books or chapters to break down i would do so just hit me up like i said today's fight at gmail.com all right so I'm going to pray out here. Our Father God, I thank you for your word being delivered with power, veracity, bringing forth understanding, revelation, and knowledge. I pray that all those that hear that you remove, that you prepare for them or to open their eyes, give them new lenses and lenses and ways to see your word, different, pardon me, different perspectives, uh, sagacity discern discernment able to that they be able to when they read dig unfold and see the different layers in your scriptures i pray for peace i pray for joy i pray for love for all those that hear and all those connected to those that hear i pray for protection in this uh in this season in this season where satan is trying to promote fear i bind any attempt to harm those that are hearing uh, hearing this podcast, those that their members, their family members, and their loved one, I buy any trace of the coronavirus coming out. They dwell in, for we know in Psalms 91 that no plague shall befall us. I thank you for your glory being bestowed on our life. I thank you for your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Um, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So I really appreciate all those that took the time to tune in. God bless. And uh, see you on the next podcast. Mm-hmm.